Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free search and responsible search for truth and meaning. We trace our heritage back to the 1500s, if not before, and we have a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. So one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here. Will you please say with me the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church. Service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace and to seek the truth in love and to help one another. Good morning. Our call to worship is an affirmation written by 19th century Unitarian minister Charles Gordon Ames. I will accept my life as a great opportunity. I will take all my experiences as part of my education. I will try to fit myself to every situation I am called to fill. I will keep stepping toward the light. I will do what I can to help make this world and this day good for everyone. We are the kind of people who like to know what we're doing. (laughs) And one of the things that helps us is that we have a mission statement that we say together every Sunday tells us what we're doing here. And um, so let us say it together. Together we nourish souls transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. This is the time in our worship when we join together in an attitude of prayer and meditation where we speak or listen to God as we understand God, or where we listen to our inner wisdom or just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. It is in this stillness that we might find clarity, that we can feel ourselves held in the arms of love, that we can find ourselves rooted in the great compassion. Let us enter into the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, tiny noises from children and the sounds of life around us count as part of the silence. forget when Peter Pan came to my house, took my hand. I said I was a boy. I'm glad he didn't check. I learned to fly. I learned to fight. I lived a whole life in one night. We saved each other's lives out on the pirate deck. And I remember that night when leaving a late night with my friends and I hear somebody tell me it's not safe someone should help me I need to find a nice man to walk me home when I was a boy I scared the pants off of my mom 
climbed what I could climb upon. And I don't know how I survived. I guess I knew the tricks that all boys do. Topless, yeah, I never cared who saw. My neighbor came outside to say, Get your shirt. I said, No way, it's the last time I'm not breaking any law. And now I'm in this clothing store, and the signs say, Less is more. More that's tight means more to see, more for them. Not more for me. That can't help me climb a tree ten seconds flat when I was a boy. See that picture? That was me, grass stained shirt and dusty knee. And I know things have got to change. They've got pills to sell, they've got implants to put in. They've got implants to remove. But I am not forgetting that I was a boy too. when I'm tired, except when I'm being caught off guard. And I've had a lonesome, awful day. The conversation finds its way to catching fireflies out in the backyard. And so I tell the man I'm with about the other life I lived. And I say, now you're Top Gun. I have lost and you have won. And then he says, Oh no, no, can't you see? When I was a girl, my mom and I, we always talked. I picked flowers everywhere that I walked. And I could always cry. Now, even when I'm alone, I seldom do.
Today we're gathered for a traditional Unitarian ceremony called Flower Celebration. We bring flowers from our yard or from our neighbor's yard or (laughs) from the HEB. And there are so many different kinds of flowers. Some flowers are, are big and colorful and other flowers are colorful but tiny and other flowers you can... You have to look at them very carefully to, to see their attraction. Those are usually the ones that grow in the rocks high on mountains. Some flowers are very delicate, and maybe they bloom once a year, or maybe they're so delicate that you watch for the buds, and then you, you brush all the insects away and, and wait for them to blossom, and Some flowers are gorgeous but have no scent, and some flowers smell gorgeous but are a little plainer. Some flowers grow where you don't want them to grow, and we call those weeds. And so I'm thinking, what kind of flower, if you were a flower, what kind of flower do you feel like today? Sometimes we have been well-tended and pampered and comforted our whole lives. And sometimes people have been trying to pull us up our whole lives and toss us onto the heap. Sometimes they get mad at our toughness and our perseverance. Sometimes they say, you're too aggressive, you're too strong, you're taking over the weaker flowers. Mint. So think, I know our our senior high youth group, hey, shout out to y'all, has just been thinking about what they're like because they did a wonderful service called Reflection and and told us about themselves more. It was lovely. Are Are you a quiet flower? Are you a noisy flower? Are you a persevering flower? Are you a a delicate flower? Do people see your glories right away, or do they have to get to know you for a little while before they see your glories? The Nazis were certain which flowers were worthwhile and which were weeds. They tried to erase all the Jews, all the LGBTQ folks, all the disabled folks, and all the Romani folks that they called gypsies. The Nazis rolled over Czechoslovakia, and there was a Unitarian minister there named Norbert Chopek. He had come to the States early on in his life and had become a Baptist minister in Newark, New Jersey. And, um, but he had gotten more and more liberal as the years went by. This happens to some of us. And after a couple of heresy trials in the Baptist church, he decided to go to the Unitarians And um, he got involved with the Unitarian Church in uh, Orange, East Orange, New Jersey, and decided, he and his wife decided to take Unitarianism back to Czechoslovakia, where it had been born, uh, or near there. And so in 1921, he founded a church, a Unitarian church in Prague, 
And um, it grew and grew, and he invented the flower communion for that church because he had members who had been from Jewish backgrounds, who were from Protestant backgrounds, Catholic backgrounds, and he wanted to reinforce the fact that there was beauty and diversity and that there, and that there was um, strength in community as we all get together. And uh, everybody in agriculture knows this. If you plant just one kind of seed, uh, Irish potato famine, if you just plant one kind of potato and you get one little fungus, the whole place is wiped out and people starve to death. If you only plant one kind of tomato, you get one little disease and the whole place goes up in flames. You can tell I'm, I'm not a scientist. Um, <laughs> but if you want strong agriculture, you have to have variety in the things that you plant, right? And the same thing is true for any group you're in. If you have all one kind of people, then it's an impoverished group. And you have to have other points of view and other cultural backgrounds and other um, ethnic identities and people who see things differently from what you, how you see things, you know, you want people who, who will say something and you go, oh my goodness, I never heard it put like that. I never thought of it like that. And after you hear somebody say something like that, that just um, challenges the way you've always thought of things, you're stronger after, well, you're, first you fall apart and you think, oh my gosh, I wish I never heard that. And then you get stronger after. And Chapek knew that his congregation needed all the different kinds of people that there were. But when the Nazis came, they felt that was a very dangerous philosophy. You cannot affirm and celebrate all different kinds of people. And they put Dr. Chapek into a concentration camp and... He died during a medical experiment. Our culture has strong, sometimes unconscious, and sometimes right there on top, ideas of who's worthwhile and who's not, who's a rose and who's a weed. And LGBTQ folks have been in the weed category for our culture. Um, And even within... The LGBTQ movement, you know, there is always diversity within diversity. And there have been uh, folks in the movement who look down on other folks. The Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village was a place where everybody who was looked down on could go gather and dance. It was owned by the mafia, run by the mafia. They didn't care. Their moral compass was, you know, in the trash in the back. And so that all the people who felt they were moral in New York City counted on the police to raid the Stonewall Inn once a month. Not on the regular, but it would be a surprise. The dark rooms where people were dancing with who they wanted to dance with would be light, lit up bright when they saw the police were coming to raid and everybody would go, raid! And um, people would... Scatter if they could. And those that got caught would have to line up and show their ID and get their pictures taken. 
And some of the police officers, it is said, had a nice side business going, blackmailing the Wall Street guys who were in there. Nobody else had anything to blackmail them with for. There were drag queens in there. There were drag kings in there. Gay men, butch lesbians, street kids. All different kinds of gay people. These were people who held up a mirror to the culture and the culture didn't like what it saw. These were people who could say, really, um, I'm a feminine man? What does that even mean? What's feminine and what's masculine? Am I a masculine woman? I mean, what qualities do you say are masculine? Are they really? When I was being trained, don't get me started on this, but I am already. When I was being (laughs) sorry, when I was being trained as a therapist, we had to take this little test. Um, because South Carolina, and um, you had to fill out what qualities you thought were yours, and then they rated them masculine or feminine. So masculine qualities were like intellect, leadership, anger, which I was feeling by the third question. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. You can say what makes a man a man is not just plumbing. What makes a woman a woman is not just plumbing. Some people are born with the plumbing of one gender and they get misidentified at birth because of that, but inside they're a different gender. And some people are not either or. They're called non-binary and they want to just be themselves and not have to identify as well, I'm 70% masculine and 30%... I mean, that's ridiculous. We know that gender is a performance and a social construct. And if you don't perform gender correctly, then the enforcers of our culture come after you, and it used to be worse than it is now. So the police would raid, and you would spring apart from the partner that you had been dancing with and quick try to grab somebody who looked like the opposite gender... Or try to look as normal as you can. But, you know, this one night, 28th of June, 1969, when the police raided, something happened. Instead of lining up to show IDs, a lot of the people just started milling around, and the police got a little confused, and then they were milling around outside, and then there were more people who came from down the street. Some of you know the musician Straight guy, Dave Van Ronk, he was playing in a bar down the street. He was like, what's happening? So he got to be part of the Stonewall riot. Um, we don't know what started the riot. In a story like this, there are many heroes and sheroes of the story. But it is said that one drag queen hauled off and hit a police officer upside the head, is what we say in, Cal- in uh, Carolina. He hit him upside the head with her pocketbook. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, they've got some stuff in there because they have to. Um, And then a butch lesbian was being wrestled by the police. She was resisting arrest and got bloodied. And as they were stuffing her into the paddy wagon, she looked down at the crowd and said, why isn't somebody doing something about this? And the, the riot started because of those two people. 
People started throwing things. They started chasing the police. The police were going around the block, and the people would go around the block the other way, so the police would be running, and there they would be coming at them, and, they, and it humiliated the police in New York. And so they were back the next night. But the crowd was back, too, and doubled. Doubled. And so... We look at the Stonewall Riots, June 28, 1969, as one of the beginnings, one of the beginning events of gay liberation in the United States. And what makes a person a hero or a shiro is that you just, you behave bravely in a moment when you're scared. There's a moment when you do something instead of something else. And it's often the people who have the least to lose who can do that, the people on the margins of the culture, the street drag queens, the ones who, who don't even have a home or an apartment to go home to. They have nothing to lose. Those of us who have a lot to lose, we try to do social change in a respectable way. We, we call our kid who's in Congress, or we call our senator and take him to lunch, or, um, and that's a good way to do it. But you also need the pincher movement, as I say often, of the people who have very little to lose. Because then the respectables can go, okay, um, if you don't deal with me and change some laws, uh, you're going to deal with them. (laughs) How's that? Right. And so um, that is one of the things that happened. And the people with very little to lose were all at Stonewall that night. And they made something happen. And you know, if you're going to be a drag queen, you have to have a tremendous heart and courage because you're going to get beat up and you're going to get mocked and you're going to get shunned sometimes even by people in your own community and you're going to make your mama cry and you're going to make your daddy sigh and it's hard, hard, hard. And you wouldn't do it if you didn't have to. Know what I mean? And so those drag queens were brave, the bravest of the brave. And those butch lesbians who cut their hair so they couldn't pass as straight women, they were the bravest of the brave. And the drag queens who are with us this morning are brave. They got up so early to put on makeup... Some of them were here, two, two people were here at the early service, one of whom had worked until 4 a.m. last night. And they had to drive here in drag, which is something I want you to imagine doing. <laughs> and furthermore, they had to come to a church, a church. You can imagine what's happened to many of the members of the gay and lesbian, transgender, queer community in churches. They had no way of knowing for sure that this was a church that would be safe or okay. They had no way of knowing that that the Unitarians had been gay-friendly since the 70s, doing 
uh, same-sex marriages since the 70s. They had no way of knowing that. They had no way of knowing that we've had gay ministers since the 80s and that we've actually hired them for churches since, like, the 2000s. They had no way of knowing that at the UU headquarters, which is right next to the Massachusetts State Capitol, we hung a huge LGBTQ equity banner for several years so the lawmakers would have to see it every time they came to work. (laughs) They came not knowing that being gay in this church is just a part of who some of us are, not the whole thing, and that you'll get less disapproval here for being gay than you would get for, say, throwing a plastic bottle in the regular trash. (laughs) That will get you church ladied. So I want to say to the LGBTQ folks and the drag queens who are here, you are welcome. We're honored by your presence and grateful. Now let us bow our heads as I say the prayer of consecration over the flowers that Dr. Chopek wrote in 1923. Infinite spirit of life, we ask thy blessing on these flowers, thy messengers of fellowship and love. May they remind us amid diversities of knowledge and of gifts to be one in desire and affection and devotion to thy holy will. May they also remind us of the value of comradeship, of doing and sharing alike. May we cherish friendship as one of thy most precious gifts. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or sully our relationship. But may we realize that whatever we can do, great or small, the efforts of all of us, are needed to do thy work in this world. Will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts. Until we are together again. Go shining, go shining, go shining, shine on. Go shining, go shining, go shining, shine on. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.